Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Jimmy Marion and Darian Smith. Fellas, it is officially time to go ahead and start our preview, as today we preview the 2023 UAB football offense. And next week, we will be previewing the defense and special team. And after that, guys, it's game week. So exciting times but before we get started Darian I know you were able to get out to the facility uh, this past Saturday as former players uh, football players were able to kind of take part in you know a scrimmage and also just you know fellowshipping with each other Um, can you talk a little bit about that experience uh, Darian that you had with just hanging out with former players and just all getting together and kind of some of them meeting Trent Dilver for the first time yeah, first of all, it was always good to to get back and see my brothers. You know, they some was coming from Nashville, from Phoenix, um, wherever they was coming from all over, um, young and old. But um, we've been doing this for a while, the football alumni. So I know I'm very acquainted with a lot of them, no matter their age. So it's a real brotherhood. But you know, secondly. Shout out to Trent and the staff. They're, they are so open. They, there's no secrets, really. Of course, the things that they need to be tight, tight-lipped about, they are. But they, they are transparent. They are open books. They, lo- they love to talk about what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, they don't make it any secrets. And, and um, as, a, as an alumni, as a former player, I've, it felt really good to feel like Hey, we got some inside info. Um, the scrimmage was really nice. We'll get into it more as we, we as we do a breakdown. But hey, I can say this much: we uh, we look a lot better than what I like from the spring. From what we saw, John, to that scrimmage to, um, yesterday, night and day difference. Even the, a lot of the players they've transformed their bodies over the summer so much. You know, just seeing a guy like Dallas Payne um, at tight end, totally look, totally different looking guy. You know, um, seeing some of the guys that came in earlier, like Keldon Johnson, and man, just seeing him out, I'm like, dude, this dude is big. You know, and um, we are a lot more faster. I can say that much. Like a collective team speed. Um, we have a lot of team speed out there, and we really get to the ball offensively and defensively. And um, yeah, I think you guys are gonna like the the breakdown um, that we'll have. Of course, we can't say everything here, but yeah, we'll get into specific players and whatever um, as we get into it. Yeah, exciting, exciting to hear that, Darian. Um, and, and I got to think too, you know, that credit to Lyle Henley, the strength staff, and also just the nutrition. Um, you know, with uh, you know, Trent Dilfer, you know, Cole uh, Peterson, you know, just that they have kind of put in place and, you know, just watching practice some these last couple of weeks during fall camp, the guys really do look um, better, you know, compared to where they were in the spring. And that's just got to be a testament to this staff and nutrition that these, they have put in place, you know, all spring, all summer, and now fall, like it's got to transform their bodies. And again, it makes you think Darren, like what if they had that back when you play? <laughs> Yeah, it's instead of like a dentist office <laughs> and muscle milk, you know, it would have been good to have all of the um, 
they are focused on the player. They have plans set up for each player very specifically. And Cole does a wonderful job of stocking, uh, making sure they're stocked up fully on whatever they need, from whatever hydration to to protein, whatever they need. Like he makes sure he has it in. And and they go to town for whatever specific plan. If it's losing weight, if it's toning up, whatever you need to do, man, and they can transform you. Give them four months with Lyle Henley in his program, and you will look like a totally different guy. It was amazing to see a lot of those players and see. I'm like, God, this is the same guy we just saw a couple months ago. This dude look like a grown man. Like, a, listen, it's only one Isaiah Jacobs, but everybody else look. They look. They're getting up there. They're getting up there. Love it. Yeah, I got to get. I got to talk to Lyle or Cole or somebody and try to get me in shape because I need to lose about thirty more pounds. So, or maybe hey, I'll talk to Trent because Trent's looking better himself. You know, yeah, we, uh, look at Slim. Look at Slim. Steve and I talked to him the first day out on fall camp, um, and he said he had lost thirty six pounds. So, yeah, shout out to Trent too. Um, but Jimmy, you ready to uh, break down some uh, offense today? Let's do it, man. All right, let's rock and roll. And we are going to start with the big nasties up front with the offensive line. And, you know, this is this is a position group that UAB fans have kind of held a question mark, um, at, at least since last year ending, you know, losing all that starting experience uh, from last year's team. Now, you do have a couple guys right now that have a little starting experience. But this is probably the question mark on the offense, at least heading into the 2023 season. And Darian, um, do you want to kind of start us out by maybe just talking about like what you saw at the scrimmage this past Saturday out of the O-line? Yeah, I'm going to do Well, I'm going to go about it this way. Jimmy, um, John, if it's any like specific questions, we can start from there and then we can just work with kind of reverse our way out of it. Darren, I want to talk about left guard, man. I feel like uh, it's a position that we've talked about throughout the summer. Uh, obviously, just in my personal opinion, I feel relatively certain about who we'll see at four out of the five positions. We've heard some good things about Luke Jones throughout fall camp thus far, but what was your kind of overall impression of that left guard position yesterday? Um, especially with the ones we were, we were, we were really solid. Well, you know, ones and twos, we were, we were really solid. Um, we did a lot of mixing and matching. And I think they were trying to, you know, just for certain scenarios to uh, to see, like, if a guy went down here, guy, that's what you're supposed to do. But uh, I remember saying, man, Luke, Luke looks solid. Luke looks solid. Like, I honestly, you know, of course it was players. And you, you got guys like Fish, that's Fish. Tyreek Howard looks like he's ready to be dominant. Um, you you kind of do you remember when we had um, who we had on the, had on the inside? What's the <laughs> I'm, I always forget names, but well, An older we, player? Had, we had Anthony Rush yeah. next to Marino, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting the feels because Tyreek Howard, you know, he's really he's really good. He's really coming to his own, and it kind of gave me that feel that Marino Rush field with the two that we have in the middle. But uh, so of course our interior linemen have their hands full dealing with those guys. But Luke Jones was really solid. I can't I can't really remember like any mistakes that he was making um at that left guard position. Um I I I came away confident in Luke. 
That's that's good to hear. I mean, and in practice, some you know you do kind of see them working Luke Jones a lot at the left guard position. But I mean, let's face it, we we still got two more weeks. UAB has two more weeks of fall camp to get ready for the NCA and T game. So I, I mean, I think they're still trying to figure things out. Um, you know, to solidify the first offensive line. But I mean, it you know you've got a guy like Brennan Moran coming in, you know, from Sioux Falls that we've talked about on the Patreon before. I mean, that could be a guy that could you know come into the mix. Um, also like a Jalen Nettles. Um, but mm-hmm. and I mean, and John, I was able to ask about Brennan, and he was a guy, you know, they was mixing him mixing him in, but he was still learning. You know, he wasn't with the team in the spring or the summer. So he was still learning the system and, and, and what was going on. So and he was in there, but he was still in there ripping it out. He was, you know, he was in there getting it in, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I came away confident. Now, now Trent has mentioned it before, and it is true. They do need to continue to work on their stamina. They do need to continue to get in game shape, but they have plenty of time to do that. Um, you know, but they, that is one thing. If you want to get a clear picture of – of this offensive line, when it, once they get all the way in game shape, then we'll know exactly 100% what we have. But I still left uh, feeling confident. Um, and I think more revelation has to come along in terms of, in terms of depth. I think there, there's still some revelation to go there. But as far as, you know, what we're starting off with, I'm, I'm very confident. Um, they're very versatile. They're very. It's a very athletic group. Um, I, I do wonder what it's going to look like once we get on that on that field and we start going against um, AAC competition. Uh, you know, where do we really stand? That's what. That's when we're going to really see where, where we stand. And uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm confident. Hey, Darren, kind of like some deep cuts here, but you know, we talked about. Uh, some of the freshman offensive line that we brought in, whether it be in January or, or since then. And I'm just curious, you know, we wouldn't expect necessarily for any of the true freshmen to make an impact right away. But was there any of the true freshmen that we brought in, whether at the tackle or the guard positions that you kind of were intrigued by their build or just, you know, their early contributions here in fall camp? I could say this much. We got some big boys. <laughs> our freshmen, our freshmen were big, but they were still guys that you can tell that it's and it's different for offensive linemen. Um, when you get used to the physicality, when you get used to the grind, um, you know, skill players they can come in. They and we'll talk about a, a, a specific skill player that's a freshman, but they can come in and they can a lot of times they can go right away. But for our offensive linemen, on top of the mental a workload that you have is a physical development that you undergo too and i think just the grind of it you got to get used to so those guys what you can tell they were usually going with the threes and fours but they they are huge like the delano town is it delano townsend and mm-hmm. and our boy jordan hall huge like you got guys like uh logan moore logan moore he he reminds me of a lot, a lot of chris hubbard with his body style, you know, he's like, looks like he's about 270, but a good 6'5", but it's a chiseled 270. You give you give all of those guys going to need a red shirt year. They're not going to play this year. You know, they're young. Unless, unless they, you know, you get into game six or so, and it's like they've developed so much. 
But a lot of those young guys I can see are developing. I'm I'm excited for them in their future. But um, I wouldn't expect to see them on the field right now. But next year, you can tell one or two of those guys are break into the mix. And, and Darian, I've got a question. So kind of for the offensive line, can you just tell the listeners the important importance of kind of shuffling guys around, like maybe a guard playing tackle some and a tackle, you know, and vice versa playing some guard some during, during camp. And is just, is that just them trying to be, you know, versatile and in case something happens during the year or what would you tell the listeners about the importance of shuffling around? Yeah, in case something happens and somebody goes down, you still want to have the best five combination, you know. So just because uh, if Trey Badoski goes down at right tackle, you just don't want whoever slotted to be the bag of right tackle on a depth chart to be there. You want the best five guys. So maybe you can move somebody over. Maybe you can move, you know, maybe we have a good, a better bag up left tackle. Maybe Gunter is, is pretty solid at left tackle. Maybe move um, Parker over to right tackle and slide Gunter to left tackle. You know, you can you can always move guys around to see who's the best five combination to have out there, not just going by a depth chart. And then also, secondly, it's important for the players and their NFL. Um, you want to you want to be able to show to the to the to the scouts that you have this versatility to you because it's hard to make NFL teams. But if you can play center guard and tackle, and you can you can do it all decently, trust me, your prospects of joining the team go up a lot. So you want to be able to showcase that ability as well. So um, I think it's personal personally better for the player, and it's also better for the team to know like what's what what are the best combinations if a certain position go down and do we want to just guess or jimmy if you if you had to pick right now who, who what would be your starting five for the offensive line if you if you had to guess well based on everything we know at this point in time and what we've read for me personally i would project that you would have um jones at left guard wilson at center uh, Yates at right guard, Podolsky at right tackle, and Parker at left. Is that fair to say? Sounds good to me. I mean, that, uh, that'd probably be my guess as well. The the caveat, though, would be Darren was talking about earlier with Brennan Moran. He's someone that I've certainly got my eyes on to see how he progresses. That makes a lot of sense to me, Darren, that he would be um, you know, catching up on the playbook and, and what the coaching staff expects from from that position. So I would think that when you talk about position battles, that would certainly be one that I'm keeping an eye on is whether Luke Jones can take that momentum that he's had from spring camp and continue forward and and hold on to that starting position. Or if that's a place where, you know, whether maybe he doesn't have as fast of a start in game one or two, that's something I would monitor, not just going into game one, but throughout the season, if Moran can jump in there in that starting five. I can say this much, Jimmy. I came away with thinking that Luke probably had the least amount of mistakes or, you know, getting beat than probably anybody else, maybe. But I I came in, like, really, really impressed. And to me, it seemed as if Luke has a firm grasp on on that left guard spot. I got I got one more deep cut question. Are you able to get like an idea, Darren, when you're 
watching here early on, like we talk about pre-snap penalties in the in the last few years or in the previous staff holding, you know, back 10 yards, false starts. Are you able to get an idea here early on, like if that looks like an improvement or is it going to just take it, some more time? It looks so much better, but we, we have a totally different offense. I, I honestly think that, you know, probably because of the ask, like I think we really de- we really leaned on our offensive line um, schematically in the past. So I think that put a lot of pressure on them, you know, and we had a lot of holding calls. We had some false starts here and there. You're going to have a false start every single game you go to. But as far as the egregious penalties and at the, you know, at the rate that we were getting them, night and day, night and day. Um, even talking to um, some of the players um, on the offensive line, they say that they say that they feel like they've gotten the IQ, like it's it's a different offense, so they feel like it's you use more of your IQ. They feel smarter. I know it sounds weird. But uh, it's like I guess it's like taking a different class and you know getting something out of it if you're just going to school. Um, but they they feel smarter, they feel better, um, and I I just think the ask is is not as much as it used to be. You know, because we ran the ball and we ran it in a lot of different type of ways, especially with that outside zone. And that outside zone can can cause you to be handsy. You know, so but. We have it's, – it's totally different now, and I think the ask is different, and the penalties seem like it was couldn't have. Well, that, that's definitely good to hear. Um, well, with that, we'll go ahead and transition into the quarterback position. And, I mean, I – you know, I mean, we're halfway through camp, and, I mean, obviously, Zeno is going to be your starting quarterback. I mean, I know there's no official word, but, you know, Zeno has looked good in practices, and he looked good in the spring. Um can you, Darian, I mean, I know we don't want to, you to get into specifics, but were you, did you come away impressed with Jacob Zeno out of the first scrimmage? You know what I came away more so impressed with Jacob Zeno is that he's comfortable. Like, I'm talking, I'm not even talking about, like, the on-field play. I'm just talking about off the field, how he talks, how he's acting, how is he, how he's communicating. He he knows he's the leader. It's the difference between being like, okay, I have to be the leader. Like, I have to step into this role. It's my time versus, oh, I am that. Like, he, you know, he's just plain talking, like the way he's communicating with the team and the way guys are receptive to him. He is, that's who he is. And you can tell that the team has embraced him in that role. So as a leader, you know, it was, it was, the play was the, the play on the field was, you know, defense was making plays, offense made plays. I mean, you know, I, he didn't – I didn't see him throw any egregious passes or anything like that. So I was happy with that. I just – as a leadership aspect, I I can tell when things get down or it gets rough. I can I, I have confidence that the team will still believe in him. And um, he carried himself that way with that confidence. So I was happy uh, – I was really happy with that. That that's definitely good to hear, and that, I, I see the same out of you know Zeno. He very confident, kind of poised, um, just looks you know more comfortable um, at, at least in practice, and you know he carries himself well. Um, out of the other quarterbacks, 
Um, and, and, you know, for this podcast, we're not going to go into stats, what Zeno stats were last year, but we all know that the high point of last year was that UTSA game. And, you know, we kind of expect more of that with hopefully this year's offense compared to last year's offense. But with the battle for the number two, do we think that maybe Liddy, Landry Liddy might have locked that up at least hey, now? Or I was I was waiting on uh, Jimmy to get to this one because I noticed something that we talked about on the Patreon, huh? Yeah, that's exactly right. That was going to be my question. Was we, we dove into this, uh, what, two weeks ago? We talked about that second spot and even the third spot. So kind of what, what were your thoughts, Darren, on that? So check out the Patreon and y'all can go back and y'all can y'all can look at what we talked about that second spot and our concerns with the with the depth at quarterback. But I'm here to tell you, Landry Liddy was throwing dimes. Like he if I remember the spring game, it was so inconsistent. It was like up and down. He was new to the team. He was up and down, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, it was a lot of up and down play. And we was like, I don't know about the dip. Hey. He looked good in this. I can. I'm gonna be real. He looked good in this in this scrimmage. I I came away like, all right, never mind. I feel confident. You know, if something was to happen, because now we got to remember this guy has actual as a true freshman. He has actual game starts under his belt already. Okay, so now we take that. We give him the spring and the summer. We come to camp. And he seemed a lot, a lot more comfortable. I didn't see any really, maybe one or two bad throws, but out of how many, like he threw so many and he threw a lot of bombs, man. He threw a lot of good passes. I am really good with that. I was even impressed with um, um Harrison Parker at the third spot. He's he's not a big guy at all, but he he had like his, a confidence to him, a command to him. If he threw a bad pass, he was already looking at the sideline getting the next play. I'm like, look at Harrison Parker out there. I was impressed with him. I was like, I okay, I feel I feel a lot better. Man, these guys have improved so much from the spring into camp physically as their body and mentally learning the playbook. Um, the coaching staff has really did a good job and the strength staff. Yeah, and I mean, people forget, you know, Landry Litter, uh, Landry Liddy, his senior year of high school. I mean, he was Louisiana player of the year. So, I mean, this guy has the talent, um, but that is, you know, great to hear what you, what you saw out of that first scrimmage, Darren, you know, to get more uh, confident with, uh, with him passing the ball. And, you know, people forget last year, you know, he really had the really good game for La Tech at FIU where he threw for 264 yards. And I mean, he, he has shown glimpses now, and we've also talked about how God awful that offensive line last year was for Louisiana tech. And I mean, honestly, you know, it's him coming in trying to get comfortable with the system, but also just saying, Hey, he's, he's not going to have to run for his life every play. Like he, he was used to doing, um, at least at Louisiana tech. So, um, great to hear. Yeah, and all correct. Correct. I think I, I think our offensive line did a good job of uh pass block. Well, we had we had some we got some dogs on the D line, but um you know so we had some guys that was giving them fits. But but yeah, I think I think our O line would be way better than what uh Tick was that year. Good. And also just two other guys to mention in the. Oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. You go ahead. No, I think that's where exactly where you were going was I was just curious. We talked a little bit about Trace Campbell prior as well. 
what were what were some of your takeaways uh, when you look at his performance in the spring game versus uh, the scrimmage, Darren? Um, Trace was decent. I still think he's. Um, I still think Trace is more of a kind of a wildcat guy. Um, because he he has this size speed blend. That's that's honestly is kind of you can't you don't want that just sitting down. But I don't think I don't know if I want it utilized as a you know as a full time quarterback. I think he's a package kind of guy. That's just my opinion. And also, I was just going to mention Carter Putt too. Um, you know that might be somebody to watch for um, battling for that uh, the position for the quarterback. But we all know you know right now Jacob Zeno is going to be the starting quarterback. And uh, and Jimmy too. You know you had sent us that article um, a while back from the Chris Hummer at Two Four Seven Sports, and I mean. In that article, Trent, high praise out of Jacob Zeno, correct? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because Trent's got high expectations for Zeno. So in that article, he talked about having the anticipation of Zeno having all-American caliber season in 2023. And just so you guys know, uh, when you think about all-American caliber season, if you look at in 2022, uh, the Associated Press QB All-Americans. Third team was Hendon Hooker, who threw for just over 3,000 yards, had 27 touchdowns, two picks, ran for 430 yards and five TDs. And you got Max Duggan at TCU, who threw for 3,700 yards, had 32 touchdowns, eight picks. Uh, and Caleb Williams, we don't have to say his stats. So it's like, you know, there there's extremely high expectations. And why shouldn't there be with someone that's got the pedigree that Trent Dilfer does in uh, in his experience you know playing and coaching the quarterback position so hopefully to your point john we're going to see a lot more of those utsa performances from Zeno this upcoming season now we can uh trans transition to the skill positions and you know we we talked a little bit with about the o-line and the quarterbacks but guys these next two well well three if you if you want to separate wide receivers and tight ends but running backs and wide receiving room Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be the deepest UAB has ever been at both of those positions. Darian, but, but would you, would you, can you push back a little, or you know, or, or would you, or <laughs> would right. you agree? <laughs> so we, so we, we, we're gonna go, and, and I, I want to do the whole question route, and we go reverse it. We're gonna reverse engineer this thing going out because I'm, I'm excited about these groups. So um, Jimmy, John, whatever questions, and we'll just go from there. Darian, first question. Who would win in an arm wrestling battle between Isaiah Jacobs and Demetrius Battle? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a tough one. Battle is big. Like, Battle is a big guy. That's eight ball, um, man. He's a he's a huge guy. Yeah. He's huge. But Jacobs, look, he looks like a Greek statue. So I'm going to have to go with the guy that looks like a Greek statue. I'm could John, could John, with a tummy full of candy corn, compete with either? No. Hey, he no. didn't have a question. <laughs> it, was all, it was already no. No, you just heard candy corn and said no. That, that's just your <laughs> gut instinct. Um, but guys, like, this is crazy. Like, Debo, Dwayne McBride is not on this team anymore, and we're sitting here talking about the running backs, and – Obviously, you know, Skull's going to be your number one. And then here we are with Isaiah Jacobs. We've got eight ball, Demetrius Battle. We've got 
Curry, we've got BB Witherspoon. I mean, my goodness, with Henley Brigham, like the running backs coach. I mean, how do you how do you get them all on the field? <laughs> and I, yeah. and I was, that's what I was wondering, like how like it's a good um, it's a good problem but, to have. Right, right. But Jimmy, did you have a, a question that you was about to ask? Yeah, that was going to be my thought as well as as we talk about all the talent in the running back room and, and what I'm accustomed to seeing, what we're accustomed to seeing is really like a two-headed monster approach in recent years, right? And so, you know, the the thought would be, what, what would be the anticipation here is that we're truly going to utilize three, four running backs? You know, I know that we've got a lot of versatility in that room, but, you know, what's what's your thoughts there? And do you think that that's going to be the reality is that, yes, we're going to see you know, whether it be three or four running backs in these games or that you're truly going to have two guys reveal themselves more in like the traditional way that we've seen in recent years. Uh, what what are kind of your early thoughts on that situation? I do. Th- I do think all these guys do deserve getting carries here and there and just we can, um, you know, maybe put them put them in positions that they are better at, you know. So maybe if a guy's going to shift out as receiver, Maybe that's gonna be more school and in Taven Curry, um, but I mean, if you running trap plays, you getting downfield. You know, you, Isaiah Jacobs, he's lived up to the hype. I, I asked coaches, I asked players, and they said Jacobs ha- has been everything we thought plus more. And then going out there and seeing them run, it's the same deal. You know, asking the players, they like, oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's for real. So I'm like, okay, we got him seeing Lee Beebe. Lee Beebe, he looks good. Like, he is solid. I, I remember I turned to one of the players. I was like, man, Lee looks a lot bigger than what I thought he was. Like, I think he's listed at 210. He is really that. It's a solid 210. He looks like a little kid in the face. But he is really, really running. He's getting downhill. Like, he is. He, he had a couple runs where – Get loose, bound, knocking the guy helmet back. Boom. Taven Curry, the same smooth-looking catching passes, getting down. Like, everybody, Lee Witherspoon, he looked good. I think we find a way. Of course, of course, um, Skull is going to be your featured, featured back, but Isaiah Jacobs deserves to be a featured back as well. And listening to the Patreon, um, John had a good – a really, really good interview with both of those guys. But well, Isaiah Jacobs, he said he felt like he was a three-down back. I agree. I do. Um, so that's a good problem to have. I think you do find a way to get Taven Curry and Lee Beebe, at least get them, you know, three touches a game. At least, you know. Um, and maybe that's asking too much. I, I, I try to get Witherspoon a touch or two. Cause he looks he he's the he's deserving as well. So, right. and then the rest of the touches, uh, I don't know, man. Like you still got eight ball. I would I would probably use him in goal line packages, maybe, um, because it's just not enough touches to go around. But I I do feel like Skull and Jacobs, it's tough because Tape Curry and BB deserve carries. I I I like to see those guys run. So. I don't know. That's a problem for Trent and Alex. They're going to have to figure it out. 
and and let's let's be honest like i i feel very confident saying this um i mean you know the days of debo getting 25 to 30 carries a game you know i I don't think they're going to do that for school like they with this with the weapons that they have in this running back room i think they will be able to distribute the carries amongst that group those five six guys and also to expect them to be, you know, involved kind of in the passing game as well. Um, and that's, you know, something that I talked with Skull again, patreon.com slash blazerpod. I talked with Skull and Jacobs, and that's something both of them said, you know, they're excited to be to get involved, you know, not to say they weren't involved at all in the passing game in previous years uh, or at Skull, but, you know, get a little more involved and, you know, be able to showcase their ability more. Uh, with this uh, multiple offense that uh, Alex Mortensen and Trent Dilfer are trying to um, apply with with UAB this year. So, um, I, hey, like we said, it's a good problem to have Henley Brigham, you know, with with those guys. Um, but, you know, even, you know, even like a Lee Witherspoon, you know, Darren, you talked about him, you know, he 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 shows flashes of speed and um, good go- ball carrying ability. So they these this is a stable of you know guys that UAB can utilize this year and they don't have to just solely rely on Debo 30 35 times a game it's crazy to think if Skull Jacobs and Curry went down we still got BB Witherspoon and Battle we still are three deep there and um, I it's it's easily the deepest that we've ever been. It's, it's just in terms of sheer numbers. I ain't talking top end quality because that's yet that's yet to be that's proved on the field. But as far as like the amount of guys that can touch and you and they can actually score and do something with it, oh, most definitely the deepest we've ever been. It's not even close. Well, let's go ahead and talk about another position group. The wide receiver room, I mean, this <laughs> this might be the deepest that UAB's wide receiver room has, uh, has been as well. You know, plenty of guys that can, you know, have the playmaking abilities in open space to kind of spread out this offense. And, I mean, I, I think we have to kind of start with Tayshawn Palmer, um, you know, bringing the experience into this year. And, I, you know, Guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we expect Palmer to kind of have a, a breakout year and to not necessarily did do what Shropshire did the last couple of years? I mean, because this is going to be, you know, a little different of an offense. But, I mean, wouldn't you guys say that expect big numbers out of him this year with this offense? Go ahead, Jimmy. You got it. Yeah, man. I, I'm expecting big things from T-Palm for sure. So I still can recall watching Juco tape of him uh his last year in juco and seeing him lead junior college and yards per catch and catching touchdowns left and right and he showed some flashes here this past year too so he's certainly someone that i've got my eye on and he's he's had a lot of uh you know good um thoughts shared about him and his performances thus far in uh fall camp but curious darian did did your thoughts um align with just the expectations on T Palm and what you saw during the scrimmage? Yeah, T Palm is T Palm. I, I don't think he was able to have too many opportunities, but that's because of what the defense were was uh giving the offense. But as far as what we're used to seeing out of him, he looks like that guy. He's another guy that off the field you can tell he knows. Like he seems so comfortable. And um, 
so as far as like play wise, like how many plays he was able to make, I think I only saw him make like two catches or so, like normal catches. But that's because of what the how the defense was playing him. But as far as like all of the mouths we have to feed on the up, listen, man, John, like. Jimmy, we have a lot of we got a lot of weapons, and I don't think nobody is happier about the offense being diverse than and then the guys in the wide receiver room uh, that we have. And we're I see us using so many different plays just to get our guys the ball. We have so many weapons, like from T.J. Jones to Samario Rudolph to T. Palm to Fred Farium, which he had a he had a really really nice scrimmage. Uh, Fred Farrier was catching nice like he looks like he's really taking the next step. Uh, you know he he was out there running with the ones. Fred Farrier was he has he, I, and I think he has a tight grip on that because the dude looked amazing out there. Um, I think the UAB football account they tweeted out one of his uh, highlight catches out there. The guy was oh they didn't even put the uh, the best one out there man it was a it was a ball thrown and it kind of you know imagine if you're running a wheel route and it's, it's if the ball you're expecting the ball to be placed on the inside but it, it ends up being on the opposite shoulder on the outside he full extension full extension laid out caught it over the opposite shoulder. I remember, like, ain't no way he caught that. He caught the ball just opposite shoulder, full extension. I was like, yeah, he's ready. And I think, and I think he made a play like that, like on DMAC or something. Like it was good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's he's ready. He's a starter. And Fred was someone when he caught that touchdown at WKU. I thought that was going to be his breakout moment, right? Because he had a few catches before that that were critical, like on third down or big time catches, but didn't have the volume. And I thought that was going to be his break. And I'm not quite sure that that necessarily happened after the WKU game. So I'm pleased to hear that he's really showing out and reaching some of that potential here. That's, and even the previous staff, I don't know if you all remember, but there were some really high uh, thoughts on Fred Ferrier too. So that's just great to hear that he's really progressing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just my offensively, the design um, schematically, it, it was just hard to have um, a second or a third wide receiver um, get those touches and be impactful in our offense. It just that's just not how we were built. I mean, and let's be honest too, and I, I don't mind saying this, but the previous offense it was Debo outside zone a lot, and then post route, <laughs> you know, throw it to Frostfire, and that's I mean that's basically what it was. I mean, right, and. and you know, it worked for UAB um, sometimes. And <laughs> um, but hey, but if you're a guy like Fred Ferrier, if you're a guy like Flip, like Samaria Rudolph or Malachi Holt Bennett, TJ Jones, I mean, you've got to be excited, you know, having an offensive coordinator like Alex Mortensen and being able to kind of be a little more diverse and more um, things that you can showcase out of your ability. Right, exactly. And uh, Jimmy, you had a couple more questions at, at receiver. Yeah, I got I got two questions. One, John just mentioned a name here, but I'm I'm curious what your thoughts were on two, you know, P5 transfers that we brought in. One being Brandon Buckhalter from Ole Miss, big physical 
downfield threat. He came in a little bit later. And then you have one that I know we're all excited to see return back to Birmingham, Malachi Holt Bennett after two years at Indiana. And uh, at, I remember at 205 sign day event, they were talking about him being having the potential to be a true X, you know, in this offense. So just kind of did you have any early observations of those two guys coming in? Um, yeah, I kind of wonder where Hope Ben and like is going to get where he's going to get placed in him and Worsham. Kind of wouldn't wonder where there's going to where they are going to be placed in it because we have so many mouths to feed and we have so many guys just it's revelations happening all over the place. So I'm, I'm still the, the, the it's the it's still out on them. Like I I'm not really sure. Um, how much of a grasp. I did see some flashes. I wasn't able to see too much from Hope Bennett, uh, admittedly, but I was able to see stuff from um, Warsham. So, um, and they were doing this against a stable of good DBs, like um, guys like BJ. BJ May is like a grown man. I didn't know he was that big. Like, I was like, who's this big dude with the dreads <laughs> playing outside corner out here, bro? Like, still, he got number one on, like him and Desmond Little and Kobe Dempsey all had number one on. You know, they fighting for that number. But B.J. Mays looked like an NFL corner. Like, the dude is big. And uh, him and, like, uh, Ray Thornton out there, I was like, ooh, we got some dogs back here. Um, and, so, you know, yeah, we and you know, to preview next week's show when we talk about the defense, um, it, I mean, it, you you saying that, Darren, and, you know, knowing what we have in the secondary and, and out of and out of UAB's DBs, like that makes you feel even more, you know, or it makes you feel even better about this wide receiving core. Exactly. And then, um, what was the other question? It was about Hope Bennett and um, who was the the Bocalter? Yeah, he mm-hmm. um, he was really able to flash. You can tell that. Now, I talked to some of the staff, and he was, you know, he's still learning since he got there. But first of all, he's big. Second of all, he's fast. And when he was able to, like, mentally play fast, like, he was able to catch the ball. I saw him parrot, break some tackles. I was like, oh, there it is. That's that's why they really wanted this guy. So when he, when he gets caught up to speed, this is going to be another weapon, but I can't. I cannot leave the pod without talking about Amari Thomas. That was going to be my next question, Darian. <laughs> I want to. I want to preface it by saying this because there's another guy I want to package here real quick with this. Is that there's two guys that are younger, uh, both from the state of Alabama. One of which is Hooks, who briefly entered the transfer oh, portal, and then shoot, we were able yeah. to convince to come back and have an opportunity to play a you know a bigger role in this offense. And then Thomas, who had. Uh, an offer from Virginia and Virginia fans were certainly want to plug him out of the Birmingham era, but we were able to keep him home as well. So although they're on, you know, although they're younger, they don't have a lot of experience kind of, what are your thoughts on, on those guys? I know there's certainly a reason to be excited. If you want to talk about the three receivers that flashed the most, we talked about one in Fred Farrier, but Thomas and hooks like strap is what they call hooks. The dude is a weapon. Like, we got to get him the ball. We we're, we have to get Amari Thomas the ball. He is going to play. I know we got a lot of older guys. We got all of Listen, the dude is going to play. I'm telling you, he was just that good. I don't, I don't see why would you why would you not play him just because, oh, yeah, we got these others. Well, from, from, what, I, what, I, from what I saw, 
from what I saw, I'm like, ah, oh, nah. True freshman, I don't care. I don't care because he was he made he made a lot of highlight plays. He he scored a couple of touchdowns out there. And I, from what I felt, I felt like Mortensen was lining him up, saying, "I'm going to get him the ball." I think I think he wanted to get Amari Thomas the ball. I also think he wanted to get Strap Hooks the ball. Because those guys were getting the ball and they were making plays, whether it's whether it's in the air contesting, whether it's burning people down the field, whether it's getting the ball on a sweep, uh, speed sweep. Those two guys really, really impressed me, and I, I'm excited to see them play. I'm excited about the amount of weapons that we have, and um, <laughs> I, I knew that this was the part I was waiting to get to because those two receivers right there, those two young guys, I, I just was really happy for our future, and um, you know, hopefully we can keep raising nil wise nil money so we can retain those guys because they are going to be important, important as we move on. Definitely. And before we wrap up, I definitely want us to talk about the tight end position at UAB for this year. Um, you know, obviously, you know, having having, you know, whether it's Dallas Payne, who you mentioned earlier um, in the pod, Darian, but also, you know, Bryce Damus, you know, who showed flashes last year as well. Um, anything kind of pop off to you about the tight end position out of the first scrimmage or what you saw? We're stable. We're stable. We have nothing to worry about. I think Bryce Damus has a really good grasp there. Um, but I've been hearing a lot about Dallas Payne and about, but he wasn't able to practice. I think he was just dinged up a little bit, gold jersey on. But as far as how he looked, his body, uh, I was like, okay, I, I, I get it. So those two guys I expect, and J.C. Sylvie, he looks big and like he's ready to go. You know, Terrell McDonald, he caught a couple passes out there. Um, but I, I do think Bryce and Dallas are the guys that we're going to be looking at, along with uh, J.C. probably being in the third guy there. But we look very stable, and uh, it's so many mouths to feed. <laughs> so many. Like, skill player-wise, I don't think – if we if we add the running backs in with it, I don't, I don't think we've been this explosive ever, you know. But so it's all about just gelling at this point. It's it's one thing to have the talent, but it's another thing to be able to use the talent correctly and cohesively. So I think that's where we're at now. I I think UAB fans are, you know, like Jimmy said in the chat, I think UAB fans are going to love this episode. I think UAB fans should be the most excited that they've been maybe ever or at least in a long time out of hearing these skill position groups and the talent that UAB has. Um, but if you, if you like the episode, hit the follow or subscribe button, whether it's on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Um, so you don't miss any future episodes of the Blazer Victory podcast. Also, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash blazer pod. And there you will find exclusive episodes, interviews, more content from the Blazer Victory podcast. Uh, again, and it's just $5 a month. Or if you want to save some money, you can join the annual membership and you save 10%. But again, that helps support us and our continued coverage here at Blazer Victory of UAB Athletics. And hey, John, I'll say this to cap it off. I think the ceiling of whatever prediction, record prediction, um, 
well, let's let's say offensively at least, the ceiling for them is going to be with. Jacob Zeno and quarterback is going to be able to do and what our offensive line is going to be able to do. Will they gel and will they be able to open up the playbook? If those two groups, if Jacob is, if he has the all American season that Trent wants him to have, that means that the offensive line really did his thing. We're going to be competing for our AAC title. If those guys aren't in, like if the line is not good and we can't handle it, then I don't know where we're going to be. But those two groups really control a lot this year. Next week, we'll be back to preview the defense and special teams. But Jimmy, you want to go ahead and close us out for today? Blazer Nation, just blaze. <laughs>